This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio. Speed City. Good evening, gearheads. Welcome to Speed City. We are very excited to talk about everything tonight. We got a kind of a mid-season, we got a lull in Formula One, but and uh, IndyCar off this week. But we're going to talk all about kind of a, a recap of the season for Formula One and the same thing for IndyCar. And we're going to talk MotoGP and do a little bit of the same thing there. And Les, are we going to talk some uh, Pikes Peak as, as well? Yeah, there was uh, some interesting news that came out this week about Pikes Peak. We're gonna we're gonna talk about it. Uh, I have very mixed feelings, to be quite honest. So uh, we'll see. It's it's changing up matters. All right. Well, we're gonna talk all about those that we've talked about, and we're gonna dig into some some F one statistics tonight. I was looking at Lewis Hamilton. You know how he's within ten races now, ten victories right. of Michael Schumacher, and there's so many. You think about his age, and and it got me thinking about all the statistics that have been that have started to fall this year. And so we're going to do a deep dive into some of the Formula One statistics at, and a couple of segments into the show. You've but got a spreadsheet, I'm sure. I do. <laughs> I made a spreadsheet for that. Yes. So yes, that's. Uh, but but let's start off with with Formula One. I mean, in about halfway through the season or halfway through the, right. the the midway point so about a quarter way through at France after France we were like what the heck what are we going to do with our sport because it is miserable to watch right we know who's going to win on Thursday and fans on social media and everybody was just livid and since then it has been nothing but fantastic Every why race. do you think that now, now I'm watching. I've been and the unbelievable, you know, German Grand Prix was just uh, amazing. Everybody talking about maybe, maybe the best in a few years, if not more. And the fact that that Red Bull car is fast, uh, you know, it would be great if Mercedes wasn't 58 seconds behind Mercedes and Red Bull in the right. last race in Hungary. But so, what else were you hearing out well, there? For one, they they talked about okay the the French Grand Prix is a snoozer of a location, and then yep. they talked about test some circuit. of the other right you know it's essentially a test circuit. But then some of the other tracks, Hockenheim, has always had a real challenge to it, yet accommodated some passing, and so uh, that's I think that was part of it. You know uh, there there are tracks that you know you kind of predict what it's going to be. Monaco of of all things, historic Monaco. Pretty much, if you win pole, the the winner is very likely going to be the person on pole, and so it's predictable. Is that good or bad? Well, Monaco's historic; it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, it, everything about it, and so it's hard to hard to say that doesn't bring entertainment. But again, 
it's the track that drives the ability to pass and how the how the race is going to play out. So yep. yeah, with with you talking about practice on Thursday and we quali on Friday, on Saturday, you know, is the race over at the end of qualifying? <laughs> yeah. In some cases, it almost feels like it is. Well, right. Or like even is the race over as soon as Mercedes shows up in the paddock? But <laughs> you know, I mean, look, just is to to back up that all those observations. You look at Mercedes won every race up to up through France, and then of course Verstappen run Aust- won Austria and Germany. And, you know, uh, I think that Red Bull's car is fast enough that you could see them battling for the rest of the season. And I don't know what's going on with Ferrari, but if you could get, if they can get some of the speed they had back, I mean, maybe, you know, because we know that every track, certain cars, certain teams can be slow at certain tracks. And I don't know, you know, because we saw Mercedes slow in the heat and then maybe Ferrari, maybe something about Hungary. I don't know, but... Uh, the point is, is that we could easily see three cars, three teams battling for wins the rest of the season. Now that that Red Bull has found some speed in whatever way, but right. but you know what? I've got a clip that I want to play. That this is a clip from Ross Braun, and it was it, it leads right into what we're talking about. What is you know what what's the sport going to do about about the car the sport not being exciting and how we're going to move forward? And this is a clip actually from. From actually from December, but it was a clip from the release of the announcement that they were going to use Amazon's AWS, their Amazon oh, Web, yeah, Web Services, Services, yeah, and all the data that comes with that. And but it was just fascinating that this clip, and he talks about all the things we've been talking about this year. And so let's hear what he has to say. Further down the road, what's really exciting is we're going to in- investigate the influence of the tracks and the racing formats on the quality of the racing. Can we create tracks that achieve better racing and better overtaking? Can we build models to allow us to do that? Can we change the format of racing to make it more exciting and less predictable? For instance, what happens if we change the formation of the starting grid? So instead of being spread out, it's bunched up. And we believe that using machine learning, AWS is enabling us to do these things. And I do love the fact that they're they're talking about using data in that way. What I saw your face kind of grimace when you said bunching up the starting grid. Bunching up. I mean, talking about the amount of space between the cars, uh, I cringe at that with the idea that we already have a lot of close calls. Are we really just trying to have a demolition derby before we you know cross the starting line mm-hmm. <laughs> instead of turn one? Uh, I'm a little little cringeworthy on that. Yeah, good point. I do like the the data analysis through which tracks provide more passing. And uh, you know, uh, we had Price Cobb on uh, last week talking about some of the things that would change. He'd rather see some aerodynamics in in the approach of ground effects instead of giant wings. Uh, you may ask why? Well, what's the difference? Well, the difference is a wing creates dirty air turbulent air behind the car that just had that wing on it and any other cars coming up behind it are hitting an unstable and unpredictable airstream coming off that trailer off that uh, trailing portion of that wing that's really important uh, that they feel confident to be able to roll up behind that car that they're about to pass and uh, you know first I would like to see them do that reduce the size of the wing 
to be honest. Mm -hmm. I'd go with a smaller wing, especially on the rear, and allow ground effects back in much of the manner of the uh, the late 70s, where we saw the Lotus car really taking off with ground effects, really doing great. We, you know, saw lots of, you know, Bob Hall doing, uh, Jim Hall doing some cool ground effects <laughs> stuff. I like the creativity of it. Uh, going back to the tunnel cars with the tunnels in the chassis itself, creating the downforce in that manner with a vacuum, as opposed to the big wing making dirty air. You can get close up behind. Eventually, they step away from DRS. Yeah. I think everybody would not complain if, I mean, I I'm, I would hate to see DRS taken away right now without right. everything else done, but I think it would not be uh, a, a bad thing. For, I don't think anybody was gonna, would complain if that went away if we had a different different ways to do this. You know, one of the things, uh, Price Cobb, it's great to have him as a resource and hear what's going on, but he talks about data. He coaches people right now, uh, drivers. The data is incredibly important. But to be honest, this is the first time I hear somebody in FOM, Formula One Management, discussing data from a business aspect instead of the technology from the automobile itself. Mm -hmm. And using that data for entertainment. Right. So, well, I, this is, I, I, I ran across that, so I thought we, I want to play that because they're, you know, it, it was something, the starting grid that I hadn't heard them talk about recently. But, but let's look at some of the, the rest of the year less. I mean, so... The, I don't, I'm trying to think of surprises and, and the surprises that I was hoping Mercedes wouldn't be so dominant. And I really thought it, after testing that Ferrari would be faster. So that's a surprise that Ferrari has done so poorly. And what about some surprises in drivers? Uh, the, maybe the biggest surprise of the whole season is how poorly Haas has done. I mean, yeah. That, I mean, that's yeah, that, that's just been a that'll meltdown. That'll give you indigestion every race day. I know. You know. Uh, I mean, we're sitting in ninth position. What's going to come? Have we run out of loyalty? You realize that Gene and Gunther early on talked about loyalty to the drivers. Would, yeah, that they would stay with their drivers. They did, wanted those drivers to know that we're going to stay with you. And in. Uh, in non-Ferrari fashion, you're not going to get flipped when you don't do well this yeah. year. And, uh, okay, but here we are. We're past the sophomore season. Uh, Grosjean. I got to, unfortunately, I'm looking towards Grosjean as, as exiting the team and that they, I think he's really got a lot of scrutiny on him. Mm-hmm. You know, the problem right now with, as you're sitting there saying that about Grosjean and the problem is has been to me the car hasn't been consistent enough to really get a good judge. You know, you so much of being a race driver, we hear it all the time, is is being confident, right? And how are they there's no there's no way they can be confident with those cars the way they've been all season, where they have been crazy fast in qualifying, qualifying fifth, sixth, seventh, fairly consistently for a good bit of the season. And then when you get to the race, I mean they just, you know. The wheels come off, literally. The tires call, fall apart. and mm -hmm. Thankfully, that hasn't happened this year. <laughs> yeah. We did see it. So what about what about some of the other surprises this year? Well, I mean, look here, at... Here is one of the things that, you know, I want to finish up with Grosjean and Magnuson. Magnuson is $1.2 million salary for the year. He's And Grosjean is 600000 more than that. I feel like 
Magnuson is delivering better. I I feel more, I don't know if it's personal perception, but my thoughts are Magnuson is more team worthy, more very near the same every race, uh, et cetera, stable, you know, because that's what you want. You want something stable and predictable. And I feel like Magnuson is the guy on the Haas team right now. So do you think that it was Grosjean's fault the times they've come together, which is twice now in the last two or three races? Good question. Good question. I mean, because that... I, I, I'd have to look at it again. I know. that I haven't done that. I really that. just kind of... Yeah, you know, shook my head, put my hands in my hand, my head in my hands, and yeah, and moved on past it. But uh, yeah, I just don't know. All right, well, let's go ahead and take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk a little more Formula One. But we got some MotoGP discussion. Great race in Austria this weekend, and we're going to talk some IndyCar as well. You're listening to Speed City. We're live in Austin, Texas. Back after these messages. Hey, beer people, it's Christine Salas. And I'm Daytona. Salas Brewery is back in Austin and brewing again. Oh, Salas doesn't ring a bell for some of you? Well, for the last 17 years, we've been crafting the perfect comeback. We've returned to our roots with Salas White, a famous local favorite. Plus, we're creating some fresh new brews. And whether it's the first time you've tasted our family's legendary beer, or the millionth, we're thrilled to be back. Swing by your local store, watering hole, or our brewery, and let's catch up over beers. Salas, Austin's original craft brewery. As a rider, you know what you like. The power, the feel, the ride. When it comes to gear, you know what keeps you safe. Ducati Austin provides riders with the finest in day and easy leathers. The best the market offers. Visit Ducati Austin on Breaker Lane just east of I-35 and throw your leg over the most iconic sports bike ever built. Ducati. Even take it for a test ride. Or see what's been described as art on wheels from MV Augusta. You know what you like. See it at Ducati Austin. Online at DucatiAustin.com. Austin's Talk 1370. Hi there, my name's Derek Bell. This is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. Hey, if you want to join the show, call us up. 512-643-LIVE. 512-643-5483. We'd love to hear your take on all of this. Those sound like uh, lottery winning numbers. What are you looking at over I there that my folds motor, out? That's I like a centerfold. I brought this my Motor Trend show. magazine this time because on the cover, it's got the new mid-engine Corvette, the new 2020. Oh, the C8. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of noise around that. Lots of folks. Oh, wow. That's a divided topic right there. Uh, yeah. Uh, but it was pretty cool. And I was going, oh, it's got one of the little centerfold kind of things on the cover, right? Yeah. yeah so, so when it, you peel like, it. See, and they're always doing that cool ghosty thing. So you see some sp- suspension, yeah. the engine. It's oh, exactly what it. I expected. In see. fact, it was right over the new mid-engine car- cover. Oh, so, I, of course. So you're I, gonna... I flip it open and I went, ha! what the heck? It's not the Corvette. It's, it's the, the BMW. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Supra slash the the detuned BMW. You mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the Toyota <laughs> version of the cheap, you know, not so cheap BMW. But yeah, so you, they somehow took a few horsepower away and reskinned it. I don't, I don't know. You talk that, about controversial. That's, that's another hot topic. That's yeah, more that's controversial a, than the mid engine Corvette. Absolutely. I think, I think for the most part, don't you think most people think that this is a cool thing that you know you don't get a manual transmission, you get the SMG, you get the you know the 
the dual okay, dual that, clutch. That lost points with me right there. Okay, but so that's big. But would you? I mean, the the fact that it's mid engine and the balance and the acceleration, the weight transfer and everything you're going to get with that. Would you still not buy a Corvette because it doesn't have a, a manual? No, that'd probably be my date night car. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you are bad. No, uh, you know, it's I'm I am truly disappointed and you know that, that touches a, a spot for me that is frustrating. I like the old stir in the pot stick transmission. And you know, as you know, Clarkson says the flappy pappy shifters. I, I'm kind of, yeah, I don't want that in my sports car. I, you know, I, okay to put it in my four door, my my daily car, my family cruiser, just to let me feel sporty and rush hour yeah. or you know whatever. I mean, it's true. If you want to go have fun, you're absolutely right. But I mean, I'm and gonna, I know I'm these are judgment. much faster. I know, now. But, but I'm going to hold judgment until. I drive some of these cars. My son, who gets to drive a lot of these cars in his everyday work, is like, they're, you know, he, he does have the same complaint and he'll talk about how they're so, he says they feel digital. They don't feel connected. But then he'll also say, but man, they're amazing. So it's it's really a tough, a tough, know, uh, I, tough I call. I tell you, I'm enjoying talking to your son about this stuff and, and what he plays in. All right. So. Well, let's, let, I know you wanted to wrap up with Haas hey, F1. So, yeah, our last statement, you know, my personal gut feel is Kevin Magnuson is at uh, Haas to stay at least one more season. My thoughts are Grosjean is gone. And if for no other reason, Kevin's got 18 points to Grosjean's eight. But I feel like Magnuson is more stable, uh, less emotional. <laughs> you know, All a lot of, of people argue the exact opposite yeah, of that emotional part. Yeah, but, and but I mean, when it comes down to business about the car, he's he's on it. And uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, to me, he's, he's, I mean, they're both approachable guys to us in the, in the paddock. And so. Uh, but on the track, you know, you think about if you're about to pass Magnuson, what are you thinking? You're thinking this guy, whether it's, you know. He doesn't give up easy. Yeah, that's for sure. But anyway, I, I'm not going to argue the fact that if I had to make the decision today, I would probably make that same call. Keep Magnuson, let Grosjean go. I'm trying not to say let the fervor on social media, because you know, a driver makes one mistake and then they are, you know, relentless. Oh, yeah. The crowd is relentless, you know, and saying, "Yeah, this isn't football. We give them two tries. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe more. All uh, right, yeah, yeah, uh, but." Let us know. Join in and let us know what you think on that one. Yeah. All right. So what else in Formula One for the season so far? I mean, we've, you know, it's funny. You think back, uh, Botas won the first race in Australia, then he won in Azerbaijan, but he hasn't won since then, you know, and and because you think about right now, Botas is on the hot seat a little bit, and there's definitely discussion about what's going to happen with him next year. And it's, it's, my point is how fickle it is, right? You, you, you could fix, because mm -hmm. we had, remember it last year when Grosjean made a giant mistake and I don't remember where it was now, but, uh, anyway, he, he literally, they were under yellow flag and was just going down the straight at, at no speed at all. And then just crashed out of nowhere. Yep. And then it was like, everybody was like off with his head. He's out. We're going to replace him. And then he had a great rest of the season. And then we all agreed at the end of the season, now oh, let's keep him. We think it's, it's, let's stick with all that institutional knowledge, all that loyalty. And we're going to stick with him. And we agreed with, with the decision when they did it. 
And here we are again. We got a lot of racing left, so who knows what can happen. Okay, I'm going to admit to being hypocritical, two-faced, whatever you want to call it, on the next guy, Lance Stroll. Okay. Daddy's boy. That's been your, you've been on him all season, I have been on him because. Him and Gasly. Yeah, he and Gasly. I've been on those two, but I'll tell you what, you know what? I should have backed off because he is point for point with Kevin Magnuson. Yep. And so, uh, you know, okay, Lance, I'll give you a little more credit, but uh, honestly, I'm I'm wondering, uh, a lot of his faux pas were on him, his own doing. And so I'm wondering if, you know, he better shape up for this last half and really show well. Otherwise, honestly, I, I think Daddy really would be considering somebody new for that seat. Yeah, there's only so much he could he could get away with before before his dad says, "Hey, you're out." Oh, uh, you know what? Another one of the really the, one of the favorite stories I guarantee you of everybody is how well McLaren has done. I mean, look at look at where they are this year. We're not talking IndyCar, are we? No, no, we're going to talk about that later. <laughs> but yes. But 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 no, for now, I'm talking right now how well they've done. I mean, look, they are uh so Mercedes at 438 points, Ferrari at 288, Red Bull at 244, and then uh, McLaren Renault at 82. And yeah. you know, that that is a surprise, the fact that Renault is down to 39 points, I mean down in 6th place. So, I get there's a huge crowd of people that love the fact that McLaren is com- being somewhat competitive in Formula One again. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And uh, our buddy in Chicago, Andy, Yeah, I think is... But, uh, okay, surprise that I like seeing. I really, 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 really like seeing Kvyat up there. Yeah, He's I do too. up That's there been in a ninth great, right now. It's been a great story. Great season story. I hope that means he's going to stick around. I don't. Uh, honestly, I think he's just been doing great for having been out of the seat for a while. All right. Well, I'm going to stick to what I said at the top of the show because we're we've spent a lot of time already on Formula One. I I want to switch gears and talk a little bit about MotoGP. Oh man! Because one, I want to start with today because that that battle between Dovi and Marquez. It's I mean, kind of kind of early to be yelling in the house that early. But. <laughs> I watched it a little bit later, but you know we've been so sucked into Formula One with doing the the pre race and post race shows live that I haven't watched I haven't watched every race in MotoGP. And when you watch one, it makes you remember why you love that sport. It is so amazing, and and watching that last pass by Dovi on. Marquez yeah. on the last corner. I mean, you heard the commentators. They were like, oh, he missed it. He missed his window. Yeah, he's done. He's done. Marquez is going to win. Dovey, he is not going to do it. And Dovey just yeah. dove in <laughs> and did it. And and uh, it was fantastic. Dovey and Marquez, quite honestly, at first, I was like, oh, wow, God, that was like six passes. I quit counting. It yeah. was throughout the entire race, Dovey and Marquez put on such a great battle. And it was just Phenomenal, and and I'm not exaggerating. Make a point of uh, going and checking that out. Uh, MotoGP. Hey, you know, I, I did see a forum that some of the U.S. is still not getting MotoGP on TV because of some of the broadcast mm, contracts. Yeah. So uh, if you really want to see this, 
Get the app. Go get, go get the app. It, yep. Seriously, it, it's worth it. Uh, some interesting things. Uh, they have redone that track. Uh, they and memorialized one of the tunnels to tribute as a tribute to Nicky Lauda. And so, you know, that, that was really special. And they named one of the corners after him. So that's cool. Uh, something else. They were showing the grid as they do at before the race. Very familiar little Brit was standing there. Bushy-headed, goatee, Mr. Bernie Eccleston oh, yeah, was right. standing there yeah. with Valentino Rossi. And uh, there's been a lot of talk on that. That uh, Valentino Rossi, you know, there's there's a lot of discussion. How many more years is Valentino going to be on two wheels? I can't imagine him abandoning ship for two wheels and not still continuing to own VR46 team and, yeah. and some of the others. But if you remember, some time ago, he had the opportunity to go out and play in some of the sports cars and did really, really well. And he was playing... And, you know, we talk about Colin Edwards' boot camp. Uh, look for the video on that. He goes out and he plays in a Mustang on some of the under-the-dirt uh, awning or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Playing in it in dirt. He can handle a car as many motorcycle riders handle a car really well. The point being, is he going to go to four wheels when he gets off the bike himself? Mm-hmm. I think he's a very capable person. Well, that, that would be a huge story. And, you know, it. I, I just wonder how much longer he can race. You think that, you think of drivers, and, and we're going to talk F1 stats in the next segment, but, and I was looking at some of the drivers that have actually raced into their 50s in Formula One and several into their 40s. Right. But it's such a dramatically different sport in MotoGP, you know, the crashes that you have, it's just a, a oh, yeah. much more physical sport. I mean, and, the, you know, him jumping on, what was it, nine days after breaking his leg two years ago, and he's in the next race? Yeah. Uh, you know, now, that, that's a phenomenon, but you're right. I don't see him going much, much longer. Maybe one, maybe two years. Yeah. Well, what else about today's race? I know it was mostly, uh, it was mostly the Marquez and Dovey. Yeah, well, uh, Crutchlow, Crutchlowed out. And, <laughs> uh, you know, that... That is just one of those things. When Crutchlow stays on his bike, keeps his tires facing the right direction, he does great. He does not do that consistently enough. But yet he keeps, he. I don't know, they're keeping him on bikes. And uh, honestly, I mean, we talk about F1 being fickle and, and enough is enough. Quite honestly, I'm surprised I haven't said that to Crutchlow at this level. Hmm. You know, um, we were talking a minute ago about, you know, how how Rossi could race into his years and and uh, and how many and and how how old he is and everything. I was looking at some of the stats, all time stats. You know, Rossi is uh, second behind Agostini Giacomo with 122, and Valentino has a has a 115. So that leaves him seven shy of the all time record. But it doesn't, you know, when's his last win? I honestly it, could not tell you yeah. off the cuff. Yeah. It was, I haven't looked either. I should have looked that up. But it, but I just don't know if he could, if he could, uh, if he's going to get seven more wins. I just, it doesn't seem possible. Marquez is at 76 at 
but uh, you know, with many more seasons to go, and I don't know if you can catch Valentino. That's still a crazy number, but uh, but yeah, seven more wins for him to have the all time record. I just uh, I just find that amazing. But yeah, the uh, and I want him there. I I do want him there. That is that is just it. But uh, hey, some other news around the MotoGP is Austria is on the calendar till 2025 now. So that's a that's a good deal. I don't think there was ever really any risk about it. Um, but uh, anytime you go through that, but they've already been extended 2025. KTM had some news this week. Uh, they're pulling back a little bit. They're getting out of Moto2, but they've extended the GP contract huh. and so uh Just reallocating we'll funds there yeah sounds like they're reallocating should be uh, should be interesting and uh we'll, we'll talk a little bit about uh motorcycles again here in a little bit all right well let's go ahead and take a break you're listening to speed city we're in austin texas and we'll be back after these messages When we see a beautiful car pass by, we always seem to use a hand signal. The classic thumbs up, the point and shoot six gun finger, the hang loose thumb and pinky combo. If you've ever flashed one of those, now there's a car club for you. Introducing the Haggerty Drivers Club with exclusive members only events, insight on buying and selling, the Haggerty Magazine and roadside service. The Haggerty Drivers Club gives you a big thumbs up. So keep flashing those fingers. Same to you. Uh, just not that one. Join the Haggerty Drivers Club at Haggerty.com today. Hey, beer people, it's Christine Salas. And I'm Daytona. Salas Brewery is back in Austin and brewing again. Oh, Salas doesn't ring a bell for some of you? Well, for the last 17 years, we've been crafting the perfect comeback. We've returned to our roots with Salas White, a famous local favorite. Plus, we're creating some fresh new brews. And whether it's the first time you've tasted our family's legendary beer, or the millionth, we're thrilled to be back. Swing by your local store, watering hole, or our brewery, and let's catch up over beers. Salas, Austin's original craft brewery. Talk 1370, the right choice. This is Alex Kearney. This is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. Alex Kearney. I like the way he said it, Speed City. Uh, Less, I was thinking about, um, you know, all the the new Netflix series with Formula One, how they renewed and... I was also uh, looking on Netflix at one of my, my favorite uh, comedian of all time. Of course, Jerry Seinfeld's got oh, a new yeah. his new comedians on in cars. This, who's on this season? Did oh, you, you see any of the names? Uh, no, I've seen a couple of them already. And let's see. Oh, it was uh, Matthew Broderick, right? Oh yeah. And I yeah, and I yeah. didn't really I didn't think much Bueller. about her. Yeah, and and that's who you that's what you that's what exactly. we think of at our what, age. Okay, but, now now let's see. What would they drive with him in the car? I I could think, you know, that the uh, the, Ferrari the Ferrari, right? Could think of that. What was the junker? Was it a Volvo that his friend had drove? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, anyway. You're never going to guess. That's a great. You know, that's what he does. Jerry picks a car to match the person. Yeah. But he chose a uh, a lime green Lamborghini, but I can't remember why. It was brilliant, though, of course. But I can't remember why. What did he say that made sense to him? But but you know what really surprised me is that because kind of a sour personality. No, no, it was it was. <laughs> I don't know. That, and that's what I thought because. But you know what? This was my my most favorite in a long time. 
It was he is really funny. Broderick is a much more funny than I imagined. So you got to go check that one out. Oh uh, yeah. And of course yeah. they have all, I think they put up the whole season. That's uh, on comedians in cars getting, getting coffee. coffee. Yeah. Yes, comedians in cars getting coffee. It's fun. I I I've got it, you know, that saved bookmark things yeah. in cars getting coffee and it's just, you know, okay, whatever. <laughs> All right, you know what I want to talk about? Let's talk about IndyCar. We've we've done a little review of Formula One, touched on MotoGP, but I want to talk about IndyCar. Starting with, there's been some couple of huge stories, and the biggest one, of course, being McLaren returning to full-time in IndyCar. I love that. I love that yeah, idea. you and a lot of people. I, I love the brand coming back in it. Um, you know, there's, there's talk that, uh, forget it, you won't see... Fernando around it, around that brand anymore. But uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm interested. Uh, I'll tell you, uh, this season has been awesome. I am loving how tight things are. You know, the 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 pack is tight. Hey, New before Garden, you do that, I, yeah. I want to finish up with this McLaren thing yes. because, uh, you know, what they're saying is uh, they're going to come back in 2020, right? And partnership with uh, Arrow Schmidt, Peterson Motorsports, and Chevrolet. And the last time that McLaren competed full-time, I didn't I realize know. it was this far, 1979. That's the oh, last wow. time they competed full-time. Wow, that's and, crazy. And under the partnership, the team will be renamed Aero McLaren Racing SP, and it'll field two Chevrolet-powered cars next season. And, uh, you know, Aero Electronics is the title partner, yeah. and, and uh, manu- a new manufacturer partnership with Chevrolet. So... Well, what a lot of folks don't realize, if uh, if you're not familiar with McLaren beyond the the awesome automobiles and all of that, they are huge in uh, the IT services and data world, and uh, it's something that they do a lot with. And so, uh, you know, don't be surprised that Chevy powered there. Yeah, yeah, wouldn't surprise me at all. But yeah, I thought I didn't want to leave that because there's that's really it's I couldn't believe it had been that long. I knew it had been a while, but I thought I was thinking eighties, but seventy nine, that's a long time, and that's pretty cool that they have done that. You know, and I think we touched on this a while back, but another another because uh, this is about two weeks old news, but another huge thing that happened is the hybrid technology they're gonna use. When's that starting? Twenty twenty I think it's 21. I think so. I think it may be 21. We'll look that up again. But the, the interesting thing about that is the fact that that hybrid is going to be a, a standalone hybrid system, you know, energy recovery and battery usage right. that can be, that'll bolt on to the Honda or bolt on to the Chevrolet or bolt on to whatever you, you know, whatever yeah, happens under, to come under, along. Yeah. My understanding is it is its own unit. It will remain independent and basically you can put whatever power, you know, whatever combustion engine in front of it. And so, uh, yeah, I love that. I love that. And, of course, the other big news is Alexander Rossi signing. We d- we touched on that, but, you know, that is such a, a, a big deal. I read a really cool article, and I think I got that bookmarked here, but it was a great article talking about why that, yeah, it's great that, that, uh, that he that he's resigned and and no there was no doubt he was going to resign but where he was going to resign but this article let's see where was it, it was on Auto Week actually and the quote in there it says it would not be an understatement to refer to Rossi as the most significant pending free agent in the modern history of IndyCar and this uh, I mean 
That's a big deal, and here's why I said that. It was Matt Weaver, by the way, of Auto Week that wrote this article. Oh, yeah, he's good. I like him. Yeah, and what he was saying about that is how it would help maintain the balance of power within IndyCar because, you know, you think about you think about all the teams in IndyCar with Penske and Ganassi and 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 with with Rossi staying where he is and you know I, I think that Rossi is that good. I think he really is that good and he really looks like it right now and you know I'm and a couple of races back he just looks so dominant. You know what did he he won that one race by like what oh, yeah. 30 it, seconds yeah, it's and a ridiculous amount. Huh? And and he is he <laughs> Sundial is, timing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Newgarden obviously is fantastic and Dixon and the gang, but, uh, you know, Rossi has done so well. And, but that's a really fascinating uh, take on it that it helps maintain that balance of power. It does. It does. The other thing, I think viewership is really driving uh, the spirits amongst the teams. Quite honestly, viewership is doing awesome. They're coming around and doing more social kind of things. more engagements. You know, we talked to uh, Connor Daly and he and Alexander Rossi are, are doing the gaming online and sometimes they'll jump into other races online, things like that. That kind of thing, you know, not only because of technology, but, you know, eight years ago, I would say, they weren't doing that type of engagement. They weren't engaging in the fans as much as they are right now. And I think that's really, really important and not stated out there enough. I think IndyCar has so much momentum right now. Uh, you know, the the racing is fantastic. I mean, there is there is no discussion whatsoever like there is in Formula One right now. Zero saying, yeah. what do we need to do to make the racing more exciting? That's not that that question is so far down the list. The oh, other yeah. th- theirs are, you know, what do we what's the future gonna look like as far as like the hybrid technology or what racetracks or I you know, I don't even know what all the discussions are. Everything's going so good. They just need to get the make sure they're getting the word out and making sure that people see y'all that just know racing. when the dates are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, what else? You had a little story in here about Simon Paginot. I thought that was a good one. Simon Paginot, you know, he's he's a nice guy and fun to talk to. But one of the things that I thought was really special and kind of echoed the sentiments of Indy Five Hundred is a global entity. It is a sport that is followed around the world. When I was in Monaco after the GP that evening, I ate dinner with a lot of the crowd, and we watched the Indy 500 in the American Sports Bar there. Simon Paginot, you know, uh, the Borg Warner Trophy. It's the trophy that they all see that that you see for winning the 500. Yeah, with all the faces on it. You've seen it. Yeah, all the faces. So Simon actually took the trophy to France for the reveal. Uh, first time it's been done that I know of, and he revealed it there in his home homeland, if you will, and showed that. And apparently it was quite the reception, but it was so cool that uh, that they went that far to do it. And I I just thought it was, you know, that had to have been just incredibly emotional to have somebody uh, bring that to France and go through that. I Last time it was there, it was uh, the driver was named Chevrolet. Remember that story? Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's a French. That's a French name. I didn't. It I is. Mean, I, I, at least that's that. That was the driver that won it. The last French driver before Paginot. Well, you know the uh, Chevrolet bow tie emblem. Yeah. that we all see that was taken from some French wallpaper in a uh, hotel room somewhere. <laughs> 
I, are you sure about that? I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's it. I think that's the one. Well, that's uh, that's kind of upsetting. Being a uh, having owned a few Corvettes and <laughs> just maybe you should be saying Ricky Corvette. Bobby. Maybe you should be saying Corvée, sir. <laughs> Corvée, yeah, le Corvée. <laughs> Uh, let's see what else on IndyCar. You know, one thing about IndyCar this year has been the rookies. Hasn't oh, that hasn't gee. that been great, man? I mean, uh, you know, we talk we've talked a lot about Colton Herta, but you know, there's <laughs> with been, obvious reason for obvious reason. <laughs> but but look at the standings where you know Santino Ferrucci and uh, you know it's it's not only Colton Herta that's been a great rookie. So it's just been a fun season to watch. And I mean, we I know we talked about Colton Herta because he came here and he came to Austin. And he, he kind of kicked the door open. Yeah. to be honest. <laughs> yes, he did, and uh, and he's done good. But you know, I, we touched on this last week a little bit. But um, Ferrucci, I think he's a good fit for IndyCar right now. The way he, you know, he can he can be himself a little more. And you know, I know he can be controversial, but uh, but yeah, he uh, he he's he's been he's been good too. He's been he's uh, he's done well this season. He has, and you know, we just mentioned Colton. Santino's ahead of Colton. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And people don't like, to, you know, there's some there's some sour taste or bitter grapes, whatever you want, to, sour grapes and bitter taste over some of the stuff Santino's done before. Uh, hopefully, he's grown up a bit. The one that I'm surprised at is Marcus Erickson uh, with Errol Schmidt Peterson is. Uh, is back there in fifteenth. Well, he's right behind Ferrucci and, and Herta. Yeah. So I mean, that's true. they're kind of all bunched in there. But um, but I yeah, I feel like I, that group is a part of the group that's going to get uh, shaken up. I think you've got quite a few things going on there. Uh, teams going through some growing pains. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I I'm anxious to see how that comes up next year. I want Marcus Erickson to stay there. I think he brings an audience. Uh, that uh, that is really there. He's likable. He's super friendly in the in the paddock. Super freaky. He's super friendly. freaky. Oh, and uh, showing your age. <laughs> and so, uh, please don't sing <laughs> or dance. But um, oh no! Oh mayhem! <laughs> see, we don't need Jonathan Green. Uh, we haven't even said where Jonathan is tonight. He is. Oh, he, we don't care. He's no. at he's at Mid Ohio doing the uh, doing the Trans Am. The voice Picking of Trans Black Am. Eyed Make <laughs> black eyed peas. Yes. Alrighty. He's yeah. He's 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 probably at the hotel by now. He should be calling in. He, we should make him call in. He's probably exhausted because you know Jonathan on the microphone. He is like full full body workout when he's uh, on the mic up there. But alrighty. <laughs> yep. There he is. There he is. That, that's the way it goes. All right. Well, let's take a break, Les. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk a little more. I'm going to talk all about these F1 statistics that I wanted to get into and uh, a couple more stories. You're listening to Speed City. Back after these messages. As a rider, you know what you like. The power, the feel, the ride. When it comes to gear, you know what keeps you safe. Ducati Austin provides riders with the finest in day and easy leathers, the best the market offers. Visit Ducati Austin on Breaker Lane just east of I-35 and throw your leg over the most iconic sports bike ever built. Ducati. Even take it for a test ride or see what's been described as art on wheels from MV Augusta. You know what you like. See it at Ducati Austin. Online at DucatiAustin.com. 
Grandpa, what do you call this thing again? It's a 66 Ford Bronco. I think you got ripped off. Why is that, honey? It's got no Wi-Fi, no USB port, no Bluetooth. Exactly. I guess we'll just have to talk. Sometimes the best way to connect is to disconnect. Is that the window button? It's called a window crank. Cool. The faster I move it, the faster it goes down. This moment of escape was created by Haggerty. Being old is kind of cool, Grandpa. Works for me. For people who love cars. Talk 13.7, the right choice. Hello, I'm Jenny Gow from BBC F1. You are listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, welcome back to the show. Let's talk some, uh, let's talk Pike's Peak before we get into Formula uh, One statistics. You know, Pike's Peak is uh, one of those love-hate events, Pike's Peak International Hill Climb. And uh, amazingly scenic, if you're not familiar with the way it runs, it runs from about an 8,000-foot altitude in Manitou Springs, Colorado, up to uh, the top of Pike's Peak. Uh, so you're looking about a 6,000, or uh yeah, five to six thousand foot increase, with about one hundred and sixty turns on your way up, and uh, they race that. They leave Manitou Springs, they head up. Over the past uh, about eight to ten years, uh, they have it. Originally was dirt, all the way up, dirt and gravel, and I, I think there was a paved parking lot on top last time I was up there. And they've gradually started paving from the top down. Well, now it's a hundred percent paved as a past couple of years i think it's yeah it, was, it goes back to like 2016 maybe, right right or 15 and even. so it's it's really different it's changed if uh and and if that doesn't give you a visual imagine if you ran the isle of man i think most people see that whether they like it or not imagine running the isle of man but instead of zipping by stone walls you're zipping by cliffs with uh that much forgiveness <laughs> and yeah so it is uh like i said it's a love-hate kind of event we've lost a lot of drivers and motorcycle riders there and particularly we lost one from texas uh, two years ago who finished his climb sat up and went off the mountain off the the edge of it in, a, in an accident there um it's it's very tough the short version the the news that came out this week is motorcycles will no longer participate in the pikes peak international hill climb this has become an incredibly fast sport uh, now that it's 100% asphalt, whereas before when it was dirt, so it had its limitations. Is it, why is it, is it because of the, is it, yes. is it safety and? Safety, mm. all the above. It, uh, motorcycles, uh, they've done it in the past when you rode up with, you know, four or five motorcycles in a group. Uh, Brianne Korn, you know, spoke to us one time before about racing that on a bike, uh, they're running single bikes, kind of paced out in a rally-style start, uh, one at a time. But uh, no more motorcycles for Pikes Peak. It's, now that, uh, they're saying good. in this article you put in the show, Doc, that it's not uh, that it's not a decision final forever. Right. So, and it's they a self-sanctioned are, event. You know, they don't is. have a, a body out there, so they they can You're right they can come and go and do it as they please. Exactly. And so, uh, for the time being, uh, it's not going to happen next year. But uh, they're not really speaking anything beyond that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and and it's true. We don't want it to be a death sport, but it's obviously the danger that is also the attraction and the challenge. Yeah, I I don't. I mean, I know everybody 
talks about Isle of Man, and it's it's pretty bothersome. And I think what got me is Jonathan a few years ago told me how many, you know, he's he was in motor he was in motorcycles uh, so long that he got to know so many of the riders and so many of them that died. Yeah, and he said I just he said I just began to associate it with you know, horrible feelings. Cause he'd met all these guys and they all died at, at the Isle of Man. And, and, yeah. uh, and I'm, I, you know, it, it doesn't need to be outrageously dangerous. You know, I agree. it doesn't need to be, there's, there's, you know, all of motorsports gotten so safe. So, Hey, let's talk F1 statistics. I've been wanting to do this all night. There you go. So, <laughs> uh, the thing that got me going about it was talking about Michael Schumacher's record being in jeopardy of Lewis Hamilton, because he's now within, he came within 10 wins the other day. But there are, I mean, there, you know, just to, just right now, for example, it's 91 total wins is the record, and that's Michael Schumacher. And then Lewis Hamilton, 81. And do you know who is third? Do you have any idea? There's a long gap, big gap, back to Sebastian Vettel. There I you go, that. sir. Uh, but then active drivers... I mean, after that, it's Alan Prost, Ayrton Senna in fifth, Alonzo in sixth, Nigel Mansell, N- N- Nigel Mansell, Jackie Stewart, Jim Clark, Nicky Lada, Juan, Man- Juan Mel Fangio, uh, Nelson Fangio Piquet. Fangio won. Yep, there and, you go. Yep, and then Nelson Piquet, Nico Rosberg, Damon Hill, and then Kimi Raikkonen is the 15th. He's the next active driver. That's uh, And then below that, you might not be able to guess the next one down at number 39. Any idea? Uh, nope. Daniel Ricardo. Ah, oh, man. Active drivers. I don't think I would have, if I had sat down and thought about that, it wouldn't have instantly come okay, to mind. Okay, now I cheated. I opened it up. Oh, uh, yeah. Look at who number 40 is. Do you have, put it this way, unless you're a statistics junkie like John here, I would have Look never. That. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Know-it-all. The, uh, I would have never guessed and put Max Verstappen next to Daniel Ricardo. Already, yeah. In the stats. Yep. And then active drivers after that, all the way down to 53, Valtteri Botas. And, uh, yeah. So that that's a... I mean, I, I just love the fact that that uh, that Hamilton's this close. But there's some other great... Other great oh, the uh, names that are around it. I mean, up up at the front. Let's go ahead and finish off, say, the top 10 or so. Uh, the the uh, Well, that's the one I... That's the list I just read. Yeah. You know, the top but, 10, you mean? Well, so you've got uh, Vettel... Prost, Senna, Alonzo, Manzel, uh, Jackie Stewart, Jim Clark, and Nikki Lauda, number 10. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so what about, and here's another stat for you. Um, you know, we had, we saw that Robert Kubica had the longest gap uh, between starts, right? The other day, remember? Because right. And so, but what about the longest gap between wins in... The modern era. Well, here's between wins. The uh, the most recent the, the, in the modern era right now. It's Kimi Raikkonen at fifth with five years and seven months and four days. But right above him in number four, you know, he uh, it's a little gentleman by the name of Mario Andretti in ah, fourth. But ah, there you go. I just I love that. I love the fact that. Kimi is five years between wins because, but do you remember the win where it was? Wait a minute. You, you Wait ought to remember minute. it. I'm going to say, is it down the road? It is. It was last yeah. year at Coda. You ought to remember because yeah. you were calling the race on That's the radio. Right. Yeah. Yes. It, it was last year. And uh, I thought that was a good one that I wanted you to, 
to bring up, but uh, some of the other ones. What about drivers over 40? Any idea how many drivers over 40? Ooh. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say that was a long time ago. No, how many total drivers over 40? No, there's... There, there hasn't I mean, been one. Uh, yeah. Raikkonen I mean, was 39 last year when he won here right. at Coda. But over 40, uh, let's see, the last time, you're right, I'm just looking at the list. It's been, you're right, it was a long time ago, but any idea how many over 40? No, I would say long ago there were more of them than now. It, uh, gosh. It, it's nine. Mm-hmm. It's nine. Mm-hmm. So uh, how many over 50? <laughs> There's oh, only one. I'll just, I, I was going to say, I can't even met. Who was that? Luigi Fagioli. Oh, there you go. I think he, <laughs> is he the one that went splash at Monaco? <laughs> I, that was 1951. So, I mean, I know it's a whole different sport, but Juan Manuel Fangio, Fangio was uh, 46. Oh, yes. uh, Giuseppe Farina, 46. But, yeah, n- names that immediately come to mind. Kimi Räikkönen, 39. Nelson Piquet, 38 years old. Mario Andretti, 38 years old. Alan Prost, 38 years old. Uh, but yeah, a lot of them made it into the late 30s. Michael Schumacher, 37, his last win, 2006. And uh, KK Rosberg, 36 years old. But Lewis Hamilton now, 34 years old. He's you know he's actually on the list now a little bit. Right. He's sitting at 41, uh, number 41 on the list at 34 years old. So think about this. Yeah. As I was going through this stats, I was thinking, okay, he's he's 41. I mean, he's 34. What if he just makes it to 40? That's six more years. Now, admittedly, is he going to stay six more years at a team that that is going to afford him the chance to win ten plus races a year? You know, so it's you know he could completely obliterate the record. I mean, he's he's going to beat Schumacher's record, right? Yeah, he's going to beat it. Yeah, but does he beat it by twenty? 10, 20, 30, he could potentially, depending on how things go. You know, which ones are, uh, what I would say is, it depends which records are important to him as far as how long he would stay in it. He loves the attention. He loves being out there. Uh, I think he'll definitely go and, you know, pass up Schumacher, get through that. Um, Hmm. I don't think he cares about being the oldest guy on the grid. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I don't know how many more records there are mm. that uh, that he really what about, cares. What about the youngest? We just got a little bit of time left. What about the youngest? Uh, youngest just happened. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that was, uh, and I just went blank. Well, actually, Charles. you know, Verstappen, if this stat is right, uh, he, yeah, he won the youngest ever in Spain in 2016 at 18 years and seven months. Okay. And what was Charles? Uh, well, Leclerc hasn't won a race yet. No, he should have won a race. That's what I'm he thinking He should have of. won a race. That's what Absolutely. I'm thinking of. You remember, he, he had yeah. a mechanical failure this yep. year. That's what I'm but, thinking but, of. But here, the next one down after Verstappen is uh, almost it's two and a half years. It's Sebastian Vettel at 21 years. Alonso at 22. Uh, Lewis Hamilton at 22. Kimi Raikkonen at 23. So, yeah, I, I just had to go through some of these stats because I thought these were great. Yeah. Hey, before we close out, I want to announce we uh, the, the monthly Bears and Gears event that uh, we've been having. We're going to change locations. Stay tuned. Follow Facebook for that. We'll get that out. You don't, if you can't get there by 6.30, don't worry. You'll still get in the lot. Uh, it's we got, not far from where it was. That's right. We got plenty of Big space. Big announcement coming plenty up. Plenty of space for the new gear, Bears and Gears. So, yeah, stay tuned for that. 
All right. Well, thank you for tuning in tonight and uh, check us out on our website, speedcitybroadcast.com. And if you, uh, if you like what we're doing here, go on uh, iTunes and Spotify and give us a thumbs up, share it with your friends. And we'll talk to you next week. Ciao, y'all. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.